Welcome to Real Estate Real World, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and leaders that are getting it done right now in the real estate industry and beyond. Your host is Marguerite Crispillo, and she started this podcast simply to talk to cool people about what's really happening in this crazy roller coaster ride of real estate. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and stay up to date on the newest stuff by adding yourself to the list at www.realestaterealworld.com. Now your host, Marguerite Crispillo. Hello, everybody. It's that time again. This is Marguerite Crispillo, and welcome to another edition of Real Estate Real World. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm always fascinated by the energy of a home. And I recently came across Steve Kodad, who is a feng shui expert. And now, I've always been really fascinated by this subject. So when I saw what he does, I was, couldn't wait to get him on the show. So a master specializing in helping sellers and buyers of real estate. Steve was a multi-million dollar producing agent in North and South Carolina for over 20 years. And he was the co-owner of a 30-plus agent real estate company in Charlotte, North Carolina. He has three college degrees. Holy cow, three. I didn't even get one. One of which is a master's degree in business. He's currently writing his third book on using Feng Shui to successfully help in sales. He's a national trainer in Feng Shui for real estate and started the Feng Shui School for Real Estate three years ago. Say that three times, right? His website is thefengshuicure.com, and we'll be sure to have links to that in the show notes over at realestaterealworld.com. He's located in Sarasota, Florida, so welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you, Marguerite. I'm glad to be here very much. Yeah, I've been, like I said, excited to talk to you because I think that this is a, uh, well, I, don't, I don't think controversial is the right word, but people kind of have an opinion one way of whether feng shui works or doesn't work, right? They they really do. You know, some people uh, are, are very accepting, and, and more and more people are. They're uh, used to the idea of certain things like acupuncture now more than ever. But, uh, you know, at one time it was a little more difficult, you might say, to sell to people. And uh, I started using it when I was a real estate agent with great with great results. So it uh, it was definitely something that I wanted to explore when I got out of uh, being an active real estate agent. So yeah, how did you end up doing this? Like, how how did that come about? Well, uh, when I was the the owner of a co owner of a real estate company in Charlotte, North Carolina, I had heard about. Uh, this information that it might help to sell listings and I was listing a lot of homes and I was already a certified home stager and I knew that it had a great deal of benefit to me for getting homes sold faster but then I heard about feng shui and that it was a, a lot less expensive to be able to do something with it and uh, so I ended up looking into it I actually sent away for some tapes and I started using the tapes to feng shui a house that was vacant in my neighborhood that had had a lot of difficulty. So I put a few props in it from my house that my wife was not terribly happy about and uh, <laughs> and uh, decided to hold an open house that, that very weekend, and I got an offer right away. And so I was sort of semi-sold at this point, and I started using it 
for other uh, other listings and the the homeowners loved it and they in a lot of cases they would actually even take it to wherever their next destination was and continue to use it so a lot of people liked it it was very inexpensive to go through the steps and so i started developing a philosophy uh after getting my certification uh with Helen and James J from uh, Nevada City California and uh and it's gone from one thing to another. And then I ended up uh, a few years later uh, going to my partner and asking him uh, to buy me out. And I've decided to do nothing but feng shui for the last 10, 11 years now. Well, so the crazy thing is I'm literally 15 minutes from Nevada City. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I literally live right down the road. I live in uh, Lincoln, which is um, actually wow. Placer County, but, I mean, Nevada City is just a few minutes down the road. Is that right? Wow. Small world. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So yeah. so tell me some of the key things. Can you give us just maybe a few tips about Feng Shui and how it works? Right. I sort of developed a system at this point. So that what I what I do in my training, and I'm doing a training class right now, uh, which runs for a week online. I try to get people to understand, sort of, uh, by giving them lists. So, for example, there I, I give them uh, a number system of eight five four, which is easy to remember. The eight stands for what are the eight most impressionable moments when a home buyer comes into a house and is looking at it that need to be enhanced feng shui wise. And those particular impressionable moments, as far as I'm concerned, are curb appeal number one. Number two is walking up to the front door. Number three is a biggie. It's the uh, front door, the entrance situation, which is huge in feng shui. Then you're walking into the house at the foyer. They're, they're taking their first look around. Then the room of first impression. Then the general flow through the house, whether it's safe, comfortable, and secure for people to walk through and you know, to take a look. And then the two most important rooms in feng shui uh, are the kitchen and the master bedroom. So I make sure that my students enhance those eight in every one of their houses. And then with respect to the other numbers that I gave you, I I have put together what I call the five big Ds, and the five big Ds are decluttering. And if anybody's read yeah. a feng shui book, they know that cluttering exactly. is, is a huge part of actually hurting the flow of energy. And the second one being a deep cleaning, which I get a, a lot of blowback on. A lot of people think their houses are perfectly clean. And in a deep cleaning, you're really going to go over and beyond anything you've probably ever done. But it really creates a tremendous feeling in a house if you do it right. Plus, you're ready for the ready for the walkthrough. You don't even have to do anything to get ready for a, you know, a quick showing that's 10, 15 minutes all of a sudden out. And so the deep cleaning is the next. The next is detailing, which is fixing everything. And feng shui, everything needs to work perfectly, including if you have a light bulb that is out, it needs to be corrected or your energy is affected negatively. Next one is uh, depersonalizing, which some folks uh, maybe find that hard being considering being feng shui, but it's getting rid of the excess energy from the uh, previous owner somewhat and making it more suitable and understandable that somebody feels like this could be their home. And then the last one I call dynamizing, which is using 
uh, four feng shui tools that uh, we go over extensively in my classes, and those are how to get the correct flow of energy. Second is the yin-yang theory. Third is the use of the five elements. And then the fourth is using something called the bagua, an energy map or template. Okay, so so let's go back to the, the eight for a moment because sure. I know that there's a lot of misconceptions about this. So, like, the couple that fascinate me, I'll tell you what is interesting to me at least, is that front door. So maybe you could just tell us a couple things that right. um, that help with some of that. Right. The front door even has a special name in feng shui. It's called the mouth of chi. And it doesn't matter if you come through the garage every day and come through that door. There is a main door that your, your builder, your architect, uh, decided was the main door, the front door. And that door needs to be enhanced tremendously because that is really where the majority of your your chi, your energy comes into the environment. So it needs to be enhanced greatly. So some of the things that uh, I push on are, are making sure that, of course, there's no clutter, that it's easy to walk around or walk walk to the door. You can see the see the house number. Uh, it's very obvious you're in the right place, and you're taking away sharp objects which uh, are called poison arrows in feng shui, uh, something that actually causes some stress on a subconscious level for people. Uh, You want to make sure that the door is in contrast to the exterior of the house so it really stands out. And, of of course, uh, you know, the hardware has to be matching and polished. You know, every real estate agent knows that one. And then I always make sure that they they get a new welcoming mat, and I, I prefer it to be sort of black and, if possible, a semicircle, because quite often the front door, the front entrance is actually in what's called the career area of the house, and it's dominant water, and black is one of the colors that brings in water. So those are some of the major things that I do, plus also framing the door with uh, rounded pots with uh, some very vibrant flowers. So that was a question. That was actually the question that I had when you were talking about that. Is it? Are there certain plants that you think are um, better energy than others? Well, there are certain plants that you want to stay away from. Let's put it that way. Some of them yeah. have very sharp leaves or needles, and uh, those are considered again somewhat uh, like a poison arrow. They're uh, they're giving off the wrong energy, you might say, and it's also a safety thing. You know, I always think of uh, attracting chi is the same as attracting people, but the same with uh, with the, the sharp edges. There's a feng shui component to it, but there's also some a lot of common sense involved too. Um, sharp things be something that you can maybe run into and actually hurt yourself. You know, you want to take obstacles away inside that hurt the flow problem because somebody might run into them. So security and comfort are are huge parts of feng shui. And if they don't exist, you know, people are not going to stay very long. They're not going to get emotionally attached easier. And uh, so it's it's important at the front door that you use very vibrant colored flowers. I use mostly uh, 
some reds and yellows because they're the two colors that are the most attracting to human beings. They right away make people's um, sight line, they turn and look. And uh, so I'm all, all about getting attention, all about attracting interest. Now, with respect to the exterior color, if I used red flowers with a red brick exterior, I don't get the same effect from it. So I'd prefer at this point to make the uh, the flowers a little bit more yellow. So um, those are some of the major points that are going on around around plants. But plants, you know, you're probably going to ask me about live plants because everybody does. But live plants are very, very powerful in feng shui, inside and out. And uh, they create a great deal of energy and uh, very positive feelings. And uh, so, you know, if it's a vacant house and you have no choice, sure, you go with some, some nice silk plants or flowers inside, but they really don't have the same effect. They really, uh, the best thing is to definitely go live. Well, my only dilemma with the live plants is I, I have a brown thumb, not a green thumb, so <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of struggle with keeping my my plants alive in the house. But I will tell you that I had a friend years ago, so we live out in the country. Some of you might hear my roosters in the background. And um, we had a huge... I don't know if it's called aloe vera, but one of those great big um, plants that has like the big pointy, mm-hmm. the big pointy things on it. I can't, I can't think of what it's called. I want to say aloe vera, but it's not that. It's like the tequila plant or something. And my friend said, "You need to get that out of your front yard. Like that is so negative to anybody pulling up your driveway. They all, you know, they see that like it's almost like a big cactus, right? They're like that's right. like negative energy to the front of your house." And, so it was a huge plant. It was a lot of work to get it taken out, but I, I, I seem to think that it made a difference. Yeah, I mean, there are certain plants, Marguerite, that you, you really would prefer not to have, especially in the front yard. For example, like a weeping willow. Uh, a weeping willow, you know, where it droops over and is sort of hanging down, is not uplifting. You want your, your plants and your trees to be more uplifting and, uh, it, you know, it gives a, a different feel to people than something like a weeping willow. So a lot of feng shui practitioners will, will advocate you not doing that. They'll also want to make sure, and I do too, that you are not covering up the front door so that you're blocking your view. Uh, the view is extremely important from the front door so that you can see what's coming left and right towards you. And so it also helps with... Uh, making sure that the energy, the chi, can find your front door, too. I never thought about a weeping willow. I mean, I have a weeping willow in my backyard. and it's okay. You know, (laughs) they're beautiful trees. I never even thought. I mean, that completely makes sense when you say that, but I never never thought about that. You know, a lot of it is psychology and feng shui. You know, that's one of the reasons why I was drawn towards it. I, I really like the idea of how human beings think. And, uh, you know, I think any salesman or anybody in that business uh, really, you know, wants to know what turns people on and what turns people off. But in feng shui, a lot of this is really common sense of how a person is going to react to certain situations. And you really want them, of course, when you're selling a house, you want them to react as positively as possible, as quickly as possible. 
So in still talking about the back door, I mean the front door for a moment, mm-hmm. is there a particular color that matters? Because I, I see, you know, a lot of red doors. Or Like what, what color is a door that's most important? There isn't a color that is most important, and I hardly ever advocate a red door uh, too much. Uh, the, the red actually represents the fire element, and it is very attracting. It definitely draws attention. But uh, the reason, one of the things I, I wanted to make sure that everybody understands is that a red door with, again, red brick or any kind of uh, exterior color that would make it blend in is not positive. I, I like personally, you know, if it's a white house, for example, I li- like to use more of a a black or a dark blue or something like that, which represents water. But, you know, a dark green, brown, they're they're all fine. But just don't make, sh- make sure it does not blend in with the exterior. It has to be extremely obvious to everybody. Okay, so this leads me kind of into the next, because I have a million questions, so I want to get to as many as I can. So let's talk about the inside of the house then now. We we talked about the big D's. I love that. That that makes a ton of sense. But some of the other rooms, like like the kitchen. Let's talk about the kitchen. That's my favorite place. Okay. Now one of the first things that I do when I when I pull up to a house and walk in is that I mentally at this point, because I've been doing it so much, I mentally lay the bagua over the floor plan. You know, and, and in some cases, some of the floor plans are so um, non-square. <laughs> in the 50s and the 60s, it was very simple to lay it over uh, right. a, a rectangle, you know, a, a ranch or a salt box or whatever the house would be. But now a lot of houses are U-shaped and L-shaped and so forth. But I would lay the bagua over it at this point, and and then you would find out, where the kitchen is located with respect to the bagua. So once you do that, you know the dominant element in the kitchen. And uh, so you want that dominant element to be not an extreme. Uh, And, you know, feng shui is a lot about making sure you stay away from extremes. If you've ever looked at the Tai Chi symbol, you know, with the uh, the yin and the yang, you can see that there's equality there. And so... There are certain rooms that are more yang. There are certain rooms that are more yin. And so I've gotten to the point where I try to make the yang rooms, like a kitchen, more 60% yang, 40% yin, maybe 70-30 at the most. Because I, I do want a balance. I do want a harmony. I want everything to be uh, to be uh, in existence. So a kitchen, I need to first find out where it's located. But the kitchen quite often is got all five elements in it. For example, it has fire. It has the stove and probably a microwave. It has water, of course, you know, with the sink and the refrigerator. It has wood quite often, maybe the floors, definitely the cabinets. And then it has metal quite often. It has um, maybe stainless steel appliances or even white uh, appliances represent metal too. And then it probably has earth. It have, might have tile or the countertop. So quite a, quite often, most kitchens, most kitchens, are in have some balance to them already. But some of them are really in an extreme. Some of them are all wood or close to it, 
or somebody's gone crazy with the metal look, you know, in, in very modern homes. And so you need to then sort of balance it out and bring some of the other elements in. So let's say it's missing fire. I'm going to bring in possibly some red flowers or some red candles or something like that. Uh, it might be missing some other element like earth, and that can be brought in by a lot of different ways. Earth can be brought in by the colors of yellow, brown, and beige, and it can be brought in by shapes like squares and rectangles and, and uh, cubes. And uh, so there's a lot of ways to do it, but uh, you want to make sure that there, all five of the elements are in existence and that the dominant element is at least, you know, showing dominance, you know, probably more like 40 to 50 percent. And uh, so I, in a roundabout way, <laughs> I look at the Bagua position first and make sure that uh, we've got a, a good start with the dominant element. Now, certainly the, the countertops are very, very important. And, uh, you know, I want to keep them free of a lot of clutter. You know, you, you walk into some homes and there's too many appliances that are on the counter. You might have some visual stimulus that's uh, cluttered to me, like magnets on the refrigerator. You might have yeah. too much stimuli uh, with stuff on top of the cabinets, which has become probably overdone, you know. And so you look at all those things and make sure it doesn't have clutter. And smell is a huge thing, too, in in the whole house, of course. And uh, so, you know, I, I really want to sort of have more of a yang smell in a kitchen. Yang smell is more like cinnamon and vanilla and something that sort of represents those baked cookies your grandmother did. But, Yum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I can tell you a little so, bit about, if I can tell you yeah, a little bit ahead. about smell, uh, since I brought it up, uh, the way I do houses now, and has worked really well, is, you know, I, I don't want the house to have too many different aromas. <laughs> I really want the house to have one very dominant aroma, and I quite often use something that is somewhat yang, like cinnamon. But I want it to be subtle. I want it to be very recognizable, but I don't want it to be overpowering. But then I change the aroma in one room, and that's the master bedroom. Because the master bedroom, to me, and in feng shui, is very, very important. So I want people, when they walk over the threshold, to say, this place is different. This is a place that I can restore myself for the next day. So I usually use a very yin smell in there, like, like a lavender or something like that. So aroma is a very big part of feng shui, too, that maybe some people don't think of. Well, I'll tell you, I know that I recently went to show a house and we got to the house. It was a vacant home. It was worse was the overpowering smell that was trying to mask the pet odor. <laughs> right, right. It's a very important thing. I mean, now, I, I do a whole module in my training on the five, mod, uh, the five senses. And so, believe it or not, I talk, talk about every one of them, including taste. And uh, so there, there is a a lot to that that really helps. Certainly the visual part is very pivotal when somebody's buying a home. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's right up there, you know, 75% probably. But that other 25% can really curtail somebody's staying or their interest, 
you know, and I'm sure you've had buyers where you've walked in and the house wasn't clean. And it was a big turnoff, not only for the using feng shui. So, so take me back for a moment. Let's go back into uh, the kitchen area. And, okay. you know, a hard part with that kitchen is that you're functioning in it every day, right? So, right. you know, right. you're cooking and, and and, you know, preparing meals and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, managing, I guess, that smell in the kitchen is key. But you were mentioning the percentage of these different aspects in the kitchen. And is there a, a certain matrix that you use in your training or, like, a number to determine how that works? Well, again, I, I, I try to first find out the location of it with respect to the, the map, the, the Bagua. But then... When I have the dominant element, I have learned that the best uh, um, percentage, if you want to use that word, for the dominant element would be 40 to 50%. So if that's dominant earth, I, I try to make sure that the earth is more dominant than the other four. But the other four need to be there. Now, is five elements can be very complex to some degree because they all are related to each other. Each element has a relationship with the other four, and some of it's adverse. So because of that situation, you need to be very careful about, you know, what you're doing with respect to the elements. For example, uh, wood is adverse to, uh, to earth. Now, that might be helpful in some cases if the, if the room is too earthy. So, again, I want to start off with the dominant, and then I have to take... But you said... I'm sorry, but you said earth is would be your cabinet, and cabinets are such a huge part of a kitchen, right? Well, the cabinets is wood. Was I right on that? Oh, well, cabinets cabinet, is wood. That's right. I'm sorry. No, the so cabinets, earth is more of your tile. Right, right. Or the countertop. Okay, the countertop quite okay. often, you know, you think of the marble and and stuff like that. And, okay, uh, and then if you have tiles in there, you know, the, the tile, of course, represents earth, too, and the shape is being a square or a a rectangle, you know, so there's a lot of ways to get the earth in there. But uh, I, I want to make sure the dominant one is, is is dominant, and then the other four have to sort of string along and fill in the rest of the the rest of the room. Okay, so if we're determining, like, percentages, that's something that you teach, is, like, what percentage and how to overcome a particular I do. A strong suit. Okay. That's I, I do. Understand. You know, for example, uh, you know, I, again, going back to an example of modern homes, and I'm sure you have some definitely in California, but where you, yeah. have, where you have a house that has a lot of glass and metal, and not everybody likes that, but some prefer that. And, and the people who don't like it think that it comes off as cold, okay? Right. And, and not comfortable. So the element that would actually warm that up, you might say, is fire. So fire uh, would actually be a, a good element to increase a little bit, whether it's in a modern painting with uh, some reds or bright oranges in it, or it could be with your pillows, some other accessory. But those rooms sometimes can come off as very cold and uncomfortable, and not everybody uh, can overlook that when they walk in. So uh, 
the elements that, like I said, have a, a very dynamic relationship, and uh, the five elements is especially something that somebody really needs to learn if they're going to uh, balance balance out a room. Okay, so let's move on to master bedroom. Okay. The master bedroom is the only room that should be symmetrical. <laughs> uh, the other bedrooms could be the secondary, but the master bedroom is very, very special, and it needs to show that it's perfect for two people. I don't care if the buyer is 95-year-old and does not have a significant other. Deep down, that person is still hoping to find that special person. They'd like to share their lives with somebody, uh, is, is my thinking. So therefore, you want to make sure it shows as equal. So, for example, if you had a bed up against a wall and a person couldn't get out on their side, that's not equal. You want to make sure oh. that people can get out on both sides. You also want to have on both sides of the bed a matching nightstand, a matching lamps, okay? Uh, you would like to uh, show more pairs of things in a, in a master bedroom. So it's, it's pivotal that you use more of a symmetrical look in that in that situation. The rest of the house, to me, actually should be more asymmetrical because people find that a little more curious, a little more interesting. And uh, But in the master bedroom, we want to make sure that it comes off as extremely comfortable for the person to to definitely get their good seven or eight hours, hopefully, and uh, be able to wake up the next day and, and take on the world. Feng Shui, if you've ever looked at the Bagua, the, uh, the different areas of the Bagua actually revolve around the center, which is called the health area. So everything is affected by health and feng shui. And the way I teach it is that it all starts with getting a good night's sleep. So getting a good night's sleep then allows you to, you know, not be getting as getting ill as often, you know, being healthy, being energetic. And so then you go to work and you're doing, you know, a fabulous job there and you get your promotion and everything sort of uh, it's a domino effect so everything in feng shui sort of revolves around making sure that the person is healthy so that they can reach their goals and, and achieve more so the, the master bedroom again needs to be more symmetrical you know you do worry about the light in there you want to make sure that it's not terribly harsh Again, the smell is going to be a little bit different. When I'm selling, I want it to be more yin. It's a very yin room. So it's going to be at least 60% yin to 40% yang, and maybe more 70%, 30%. So the wall colors, you know, I, you don't you don't want to go bright. And you really, if possible, wouldn't want to use wallpaper, which is very busy. Because all of that sort of you know, keeps our minds active more than we want them to. So the colors are important. The yin colors actually uh, allow a person to actually get a, a much better night's sleep. Now, you certainly want to have some yang in the room, and I actually advocate people to have some fire in the room. Oh, uh, like candles? Is that why you see candles a lot? Candles or maybe some, maybe in a couple red pillows. But, you know, you want fire in the room because the, the master bedroom is really really only used for, should be used for two things. Those are restoration and romance. And right. not to do your taxes, 
<laughs> not to uh, watch TV, which I'm sure I've probably upset some of your your uh, viewers at this point. But uh, I really try to get people to understand they want to make the master bedroom come off as great for those areas and not to be used for other things. You try to take as many reflective surfaces out of a bed, master bedroom as you can. Because oh, mirrors? Yeah, for example, mirrors, you don't want them, especially down at the end of the bed. And if possible, you'd rather not have them at all. But if you're going to have a, a mirror in the master bedroom because you have this this piece that was handed down by, you know, your grandmother, you know, put it off to the side, but never down at the end. But if you have a TV, you know, it would be better if you didn't have the TV in the room. It's reflective, too. But, again, I, as you can imagine, I have to fight with people on that one. But uh, so I, I tell them, well, at least do the following cure. Put the uh, put the TV to sleep when you uh, when you go to bed. Cover it up with a sheet. And uh, a lot of people find that pretty funny, but uh, it's it's a way of taking. Well, you know, I think it's interesting because I know for me, when I sleep, the room has to be like I can't have all those little red lights, you know, uh-huh. that are right on your clocks and TVs and you know all those little things. And so I've gotten to where. I actually put something over. I have a TV in the bedroom. I know I shouldn't, but I have one. <laughs> Although I could probably take it out because I hardly ever watch TV anymore. It's just yeah, probably more yeah. convenient. That can really affect your sleep. It can. You know, it's funny. I I do a lot of uh, reading and studying about uh, how people handle things consciously and subconsciously. And really, we're only reacting to like 5% what goes on at a particular moment. And if we reacted to everything that was going on, our, our minds would probably blow up. So we are reacting to primarily what is reality at that particular moment. So if you're seeing these little red lights or whatever, you know, you're focusing on something like that. And that's not what you want to focus on. You want to, you know, you want to focus on something else to make you uh, go to go to sleep and have a good, a good night. But uh it's very easy for somebody to lose focus and then focus on the wrong thing sometimes. And, of course, when you're trying to sell a house, that's not good. <laughs> no. Well, so that actually is a helpful conversation that we can we can kind of use to wrap up a little bit today. How do you have that conversation, like, you know, with somebody? Like, all I can think of right now is I need to go clean out my house. Like, I got junk everywhere. But I'm not selling my house. But still, how do you, as an agent, have that conversation with your clients? Well, I think that's one of the best things that I do. And uh, I'm actually not a real estate agent anymore. But I, I you know, I, I do get called in by realtors and, and real estate agents to be the uh, in between because of the way I the way I talk about it. You know, I when I have to talk about somebody having a cleaning problem. <laughs> You know, that can be very uh, very difficult for some people to hear sometimes. But I try to explain it to them, all the benefits that a deep cleaning give you, for example. I try to explain to them, you know, you have all these items that are sort of considered clutter and then what you're going to get out of it. So I, I try to make sure they understand that if you do these things, you're going to find out you're going to be on the market a lot less time and you're going to get a much better offer and actually the way i the way i try to talk to people is you know that you want to take two 
three weeks to get ready after I do a report and try to f- handle all these things properly. And then if we do everything right, you should have a very good chance of getting it sold in four weeks or less. But, you know, a lot of people want to just throw their listing on real fast, as fast as possible, <laughs> and that's the worst thing you could do. You want to take the prep time to correct things. So um, that is one of the conversations I have a lot with people, and just making sure they understand that it is a job for you. And uh, if you do your job real well, you're going to find out that you're going to you know, make more money and have less frustration. Well, and is that something that you also give maybe some scripts or ideas on when you're when you're helping people through this and you're training? Uh, I don't give I don't give scripts. I guess you might say I I do right. I do explain to them you know that they need to come up in their own words about how to actually discuss this with people, and that you, you need you need to be sensitive about a lot of things. You know, we, when when you talk about items that are very personal, for example, that they have around the house, including including religious items or medications or stuff like that. These things need to be put away when you're showing. And so, you know, you need to be sensitive to people about about what they believe in and what interests them. But they need to understand, as you know, Marguerite, that the house is now a product. It's not a it's not their home anymore. If they really are serious, they need to understand that it's now an item that's going to be sold. And uh, so I, I go about it, I guess, in a way that makes people feel okay about things. And uh, that has been very helpful to a lot of realtors. That's awesome. Well, but the bottom line is you actually do training for agents on and about this, right? I do. I do. Uh-huh. And so we have some information available at realestaterealworld.com on the show notes for this episode. But I'll tell you, he has some great stuff over on his website at thefengshuicure.com. And I love all the stuff you have there about feng shui and how it works. And I think it's truly a conversation people should have with their clients and in their own home. I know this is all stuff that I need to go now do in my house. So thank you for my new to-do list, Steve. <laughs> You're very welcome. Anytime. <laughs> so thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? No, I, re- I really appreciate you uh, inviting me, Marguerite. And, uh, you know, I want, I hope everybody understands that, I'm, you know, I'm very passionate about this and that my background was extremely, you might say, rational uh, my first degree was in mathematics, so for for somebody that worked in the computer world and all that kind of stuff, for something like this to feel this way for me and for me to think that it works, I think you should understand that that means that it, it really does have a lot of positive attributes to it. It's been around for three, 4,000 years, and uh, I think of it as an environmental science, and it's something that actually works. Well, thank you again for being on our show today. This was a very interesting subject, and I'm sure our listeners are going to get a ton of value out of it. So thank you very much, Steve. And for those of you listening, be sure to go and subscribe at realestaterealworld.com. We are available on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher. And be sure to give us a review. Your reviews help push our content up in the rankings so we can get more great guests like Steve. 
Thanks again for being on the show today, Steve, and everybody else. Go out and make it a great day. Thank you, Marguerite. Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World, where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, pop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite masterclass in raising the bar on the real estate industry.